0: Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, pastor at Hope, and we are so glad that you are listening in. We would love to connect with you in person at our Sunday gathering. In the meantime, we hope this message points you to Jesus, the reason we gather. So last week, Hope church received a letter from Costco. Important renewal information enclosed. Pope Presbyterian church. They want us uh, to renew our membership. Uh, The company, in other words, does not want to see us go. Well, for the next few months, we're looking at the letter of Hebrews and it would be tempting, I think, for us to view this letter in the same exact way. It's just a letter from some organization urging us to renew and to keep our membership. But that would be a mistake because Hebrews is not about membership to a club. Hebrews is not about membership even to a set of ideas Hebrews is about faithfulness to a person, Jesus. So that scholar Ben Witherington says, To defect from the faith does not mean to just leave behind a set of ideas or ideals. It means to turn one's back on the living Christ. That's what is at stake And so Hebrews is written to men and women who are tempted to turn their back on Jesus. It is profoundly relational, not merely organization. And this temptation that they were experiencing and probably many of us have experienced or are experiencing or will experience, this is not because we hate Jesus. This is because they were weary. And so the question that Hebrews asks them and asks us this morning is, Why stay face-to-face and shoulder-to-shoulder with Jesus? Why not turn your back on Jesus? That is the question. And if you have a Bible, I will invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we have these scripture journals in the front that you can also use and keep. And turn with me at verses 1 through 6 in Hebrews chapter 3. Because within these six verses, we are going to learn why we stick with Jesus. And the answer may surprise you. The key to our faithfulness is His faithfulness. Let me read this text before we explore this truth. This is God's word. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory Van Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has, more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. To testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ, but Messiah, but Jesus, is faithful. Over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our heart. And so, Lord, with the words in my mouth, with the meditation of all of our hearts here this morning, would our meditation be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer? And would that be exactly what happens? Would we meditate on you? Jesus. And by your Holy Spirit, would we miraculously see his beauty, and would that beauty stay with us throughout this week, we ask in Jesus' name. So last Sunday, I was in my dining room with my family and some of my extended family, and outside our window, we see a Cooper's hawk landing kind of perched on our outside fence. Now, apparently, there are 270 species of hawks across the world, but I know this was a Cooper's hawk. I know that this was a Cooper's hawk. Why, you ask? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you why. Cooper's hawks, they love the city, number one. Number two, they have a striped tail. And number three, I know this hawk. I've seen this hawk rampage our street before. Now, I could be wrong. Uh, It could be a sharp-shinned hawk, actually. And it could be a totally different hawk than the one I've seen rampage our street before. But here's my point. Five years ago, I would have had no idea what I was looking at. In fact, it's possible I would have just seen a bird a big bird outside of my window. Oh, look, there's a bird. I mean, most of my life, can I get an amen? Like, birds are just birds, right? Birds are just birds. Right? Anyone else? Like, birds are just birds. Okay, there you go. One of you. But here, here's what happened. And many of you know the story. I was gifted a field guide. And this guide was written and illustrated by a man named Roger Tory Peterson. That guy. What a picture, huh? And so this guy looked closely at birds. I mean, look at him, literally looking closely at a bird. And there's a bird behind him, too. Pretty great picture. And what he did is he created a field guide to help millions of others look closely at birds, too. Peterson's field guide to birds. His eyes trained my eyes to fix on birds. Birds, to fix on things I would never, ever, ever notice in any other way. According to the philosopher Christian Modsberg, there are a couple ways of seeing. There are what he calls panoptic ways of seeing. And then there are ways of what he calls spotlight seeing. And so a panoptic way of seeing is how we live most of our life. The way we live most of our life. And so his example is walking down the street and seeing a truck come down the street. We see the truck. But not its color, not its make, not its model. Maybe not even the driver inside of it. That's panoptic seeing. It's the way we do most of our life. It's the way I'm operating even right now. But spotlight seeing is when our attention works like a spotlight. When we notice the make and the model of the truck, because we are paying attention to it. We're interested in it. We know the differences between models and makes of cars, because we've fixed our eyes on them before. This is spotlight seeing. And so when we go to the art museum, for instance, some folks just walk through the art museum, and they just see art, the way that most of us just see birds. It's like, how was the art museum? And we say, it was cool. We saw some art. (laughs) Okay. However, have you ever noticed there are like benches in the middle of these rooms, these exhibits? And have you ever noticed there are people who are sitting in these benches for hours on end sometimes, staring at one piece of art? You even see art students sitting on these benches with their palette out and with their own canvas, exactly trying to replicate what they are seeing. This is because their instructors have taught them to do this. They've said, if you want to see this art better, then fix your eyes on it and even try to replicate it, and you will notice what you did not notice before. Creative writing teachers, they tell you to copy word for word with a pencil beautiful poems that have already been written by others. This is spotlight seeing. This is spotlight vision. Well, I want to say this. Hebrews is telling us this morning to do the same with Jesus. We can come to church and we can have this sort of Yeah, I worship Jesus. Or we can do what Hebrews tells us, which is to focus. Really, if you look at verse 1, take a look. Holy brothers and sisters, you who who have a heavenly calling, it says in our text, consider Jesus. Now, some translations say, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thinking on Jesus. And then at the very end of our passage this morning, in verse 6, it concludes this way, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast or fix our grip on our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Fixity, close attention, spotlight attention on Jesus. And I think this is counterintuitive and even a countercultural claim for us today. We assume the good life and we assume that growth is always through attainment, right? and getting new things, and acquiring new things. That is growth. But here we see something completely different. Here we see, through Hebrews, a command to stay put, to fix, to fix your attention on the same thing, and to fix your grip on the same thing. The thing you already have, actually, it's a person. It's Jesus. And in particular, the faithfulness of Jesus inside these commands to fix our thoughts and to fix our grips is something described as the faithfulness of Jesus so look at verse 2 consider Jesus who was faithful who was faithful faith. you jump to verse 5. Now Moses was faithful. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify the things that were to be spoken about later. And so Moses in his ministry was a faithful ministry. Verse 6. But Christ is faithful over God's house as son. Do you see what this means? the key to our faithfulness, which is really the heartbeat of Hebrews. Faithfulness to Jesus. The key is right here. The key to our faithfulness is His faithfulness. If we want to stay faithful to Jesus, we must consider the faithfulness of Jesus. We must meditate on Jesus' faithfulness. And that's what verses 1-6 through is. It is a meditation on the faithfulness of Jesus. It is a meditation on the faithfulness of Jesus, and I think it can teach us how to meditate on His faithfulness throughout our walk with Jesus. Which is going to be a critical habit if we're going to remain faithful to Jesus all of our life. I see four things in this text that we can do to meditate on Jesus' faithfulness. And I want to say this. First, articulate articulate His faithfulness, okay? Sometimes words like faithfulness, sometimes words like grace, sometimes words like love, they lose their power, they lose their meaning through overuse. They become cliche. And so we need to articulate who Jesus is in our minds and in our imagination. And that's what we see in verse 1. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So Jesus is not just Jesus here. Jesus in this meditation is Jesus the apostle and Jesus the high priest of our confession. And these two words articulate the faithfulness of Jesus, you see? They bring clarity to what it means that Jesus was faithful. One commentator says these two words span the gamut of Jesus' life and ministry. Because as apostle, he was sent by God. As fully human and fully God, eternal Son of God. To live for us and to die for us. And to be raised for us. And then, after offering himself, he ascends to God's right hand for us. As our eternal high priest who is praying for For us, this very moment, even as we think on Him. And so Hebrews shows us and models for us worshipful articulation. And we can do the same in our prayers or with a journal. We should specify, we should articulate the faithfulness of Jesus in our own words. And with the words of scripture. Singling out like an act or a word of Jesus. And meditating on that. And making it our habit to bring to life in our imagination and our thinking. The faithfulness of Jesus. It's one thing to say Jesus is faithful. It's another thing to bring to heart. To bring to mind the faithfulness of Jesus. As we see it in scripture. But even as we see it in our own life. In our own life story. Uh, So my mother-in-law, she likes to say that specificity indicates intimacy when it comes to God. Specificity indicates intimacy. When we are vague in our prayers, we tend to be relationally distant also. When we are specific in our prayers, we are drawing near. And this applies not just to our prayer requests, but in the way that we think about Jesus, in the way that we even pray in Jesus' name. You'll notice, and this was an insight from Jerem Barnes, you'll notice that so many of the prayers in Scripture do not just say, Dear God, but they say, Dear God, our fortress, Dear God, our rescuer. And there are so many sort of colorful adjectives that surround our prayer and our praying life as we address God. Jesus, friends, is not just faithful in some vague sense. He is faithful in all that He is and all that He does. So read the scriptures. Furnish your mind. Furnish your imagination with the actions and words of Jesus. Articulation. 2nd Hebrews models for us how to meditate on Jesus' faithfulness by amplifying His faithfulness. And that's what verses 2 through 5 really is. So, verses 2-5, through five, if you look down at the text again, we see a comparison between the faithfulness of Jesus and the faithfulness of Moses. Moses, verse 2, also was faithful in all God's house. But then there's a comparison. Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, because the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. And then verse 4, for every house is built by someone, and for the builder of all things is God. And so what's happening? The house of God is the people of God. And so Moses here is being described as a faithful, verse 5, a faithful servant amongst God's people. And that is to be celebrated. But who built God's people? Who built the house? God did, through Jesus. And that's what verse 6 says. Christ is faithful over God's house, not as a servant, but as a son. And so Hebrews here is comparing Jesus to Moses. But notice, Hebrews doesn't make Moses small in order to make Jesus big. Sometimes that's how we do comparisons. We make something small in order to make something big. No, opposite here. Opposite here. Hebrews is making Moses big to make Jesus even bigger. This was an ancient practice called amplification. And so if you wanted to exalt person A... Compare them to the very best person B that you can think of. And then magnify person B. And then talk about how person A is even bigger. And even better. For me, it would be like um, talking about Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. That's an album. And then saying, now let's talk about Wilco's Summer Thief. I don't think it's better than Pet Sounds. But you get my point. You're taking something magnificent, And then you're saying something is even better than that. Well, Moses is as good as it gets. Verse 5 here says, Moses was faithful in all of God's house. And this is a quote from Numbers 12, which actually says in verse 3, Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. As good as it gets. But Jesus is more. He is the true and perfect Moses. The true and perfect Israelite. The true and perfect Adam. The true and perfect human. Who is God in flesh. So I want you to encourage you to do the same thing in your life. Think of the most faithful person you know right now. think of the most faithful person you know, and now consider how Jesus is even more faithful and always will be. That is amplification. We're tempted, I think, to worship our heroes. Don't do that. We can celebrate faithful people, but allow them to point you to Jesus. Lord, I want you to accent His faithfulness in your life. So there are two faithfulnesses in this passage. Jesus' faithfulness and your faithfulness. And yours is super important. Verse 6 says, And we are His house, if indeed we hold fast, or if indeed we fix our grip on our confidence, which is Jesus, and our boasting and our hope, who is Jesus. And so our faithfulness, our grip, and our fixity is essential. But the accent in this passage is on His faithfulness. Isn't it? What do I mean? Without His faithfulness, the author of Hebrews says, our faithfulness is impossible. In poetry, there is something called an I am, and I am is two beats, but one beat gets an accent. There, live, the wife, the us, shoes, one. Okay, that is an iambic container. Now, I thought for a minute I was going to be an English teacher back in the day, but so here I am. But here's my point: the Christian life is iambic. Our faithfulness is vital, but Jesus' faithfulness gets the emphasis. And without Jesus' faithfulness, our faithfulness fades away. Look again at verse 6. And we are His house, if indeed we hold fast. This does not say, you might be His people if you hold fast. This does not say, if you hold fast, God will Reward your holding fast by being His people does not say pay God with your holding fast and you will purchase for yourself status of being His people that's not what it says at all it says you are His people you are His people earlier it says you are holy, you are set apart it says you are brothers and sisters this is Who you are. You are already his. Now simply stay put. Hold on to what you already are. Do you see the accent. Is on his faithfulness. If you're worried. If you're worried. About enduring to the end. With Jesus. Here's. A challenge, maybe this week or this month, spend each morning meditating on his faithfulness, his endurance, and see what happens. Jesus is the founder, it says, and perfecter of your faith and your faithfulness. Accent his faithfulness in your life. Then, lastly, access His faithfulness. This passage teaches us how to meditate on His faithfulness. And one key way in doing that is by retrieving or accessing the riches that we already have. There is a ministry in accessing what we already have in Christ. That is our lifelong ministry. And when we meet with people, when we hang out with people, and when we do life together... See yourself as God's like special agent to remind your sister in Christ, your brother in Christ, of what they already have in Jesus. That is a ministry of retrieval. In Chronicles of Narnia, the Pavensi siblings returned to Narnia after 1,300 years away. One year in England, I guess, over a millennium, in Narnia. And 1,300 years ago, they were kings and queens in Narnia. And now they return to ruins. This is Prince Casper. And they discover the ruins of their old castle, and then they discover a treasury within this old castle, And they see within it gifts that they were given long ago by Aslan the lion. We too have treasures in the basement. We have treasures in the treasury. We just forget about it. And this is the heartbeat of verse 6. It says, If indeed we hold fast our confidence, our confidence and our boasting It's our confidence. It's already ours. I'm going to sound like an English professor again, but this is a possessive. This is our confidence. It's ours. And it's our boasting. It's our hope that is worth bragging about. We already have it stored In our basement, we just need to retrieve it. And there's more than just our confidence and our bold hope. No, as I said, this text declares that we are already holy. We are already a household of brothers and sisters. We have a calling from heaven, not just to heaven, we have a calling from heaven to be on God's mission. And each of these statements are worth a lifetime of reflection and retrieval. And so we fix, we meditate on these things. But we already have. Friends, Hebrews shows us the key to faithfulness. It's his faithfulness. In a recent book, Professor Brandon Parler reflects on Wendell Berry's essay, The Gift of Good Land. He writes this. Wendell Berry points out that we tend to gravitate to the stories of characters who perform one-time acts of heroism, rather than those who perform everyday acts of faithfulness. He goes on, In contrast, Barry contends that a courageous, faithful life is not so much about singular, heroic acts, But about perseverance. As he puts it, and partly now quotes Barry, it may in some ways be easier to be Samson in the Bible than to be a good husband or wife day after day for 50 years. Friends, the key to this, to everyday faithfulness with Jesus. Is the everyday faithfulness of Jesus. He lived for you. Every millisecond of his life was faithful. Mm. Every word and action is birthed out of faithfulness to his father and to his people. His faithfulness to you is the fire. Of Jesus' being. He is a word made flesh. And God's word never lies. It is a faithful word. He lived for you. He died for you out of faithfulness. Faithfulness to his father. And faithfulness to his bride. You. And right now as I preach. He prays for you. By name. Because he's faithful High priest, he's faithful and always will be. He knew you before creation, and he will know you forever. Friends, we are faithful to the extent to which Jesus is faithful, and that's good news because Jesus is faithful to the Lord. We confess that what we need most this morning is to meditate on Jesus' faithfulness. And so that's what we do. We thank you that the preacher in Hebrews models this fullness. Would we do the same? Would our life be marked by meditation on Jesus' faithfulness? when we are tempted to meditate on ourself and our own failures, as we replay the tape in our hearts, Lord, of our past, and as we forecast our future with great anxiety, would you give us the miracle even now to put those tapes to the side, instead fixing on the faithful? It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening in. For more resources like this and to learn more about Hope, please visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.